Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Hope everyone's been enjoying the nice rain. If the rain doesn't fall, the grass doesn't grow. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Anyway, well done, everyone, on the ab offering. Uh, You did a great job on that. I know some of you are still putting that in, and some of you contribute to that every week. But I just want to encourage you. uh, what What a great kickoff to that campaign this year. Um, we did um, already purchase the freezer for the one organization and someone wanted to donate the fridge so someone else came and donated the fridge and we are now preparing to do the camp for the next eight weeks of the summer and I think they're looking for someone maybe Tuesday Wednesday possibly Tuesday Wednesday Thursday um, throughout the course of the summer if you can do any days like that daytime uh, maybe one person for food prep and one person just to deliver the food um, that would be greatly appreciated. Please see uh, either whoever's at the table out there, the volunteer table. I think Pastor Larry will be out there afterwards. And then we are looking for a few people. You can call the office this week if you're available. We want to assemble the, the boxes, the gift packages that we're going to be uh, giving out at that time. That said, we've been working through the life and death series, and today's topic is sleep, so we're going to do a living illustration for the next 40 minutes. I want you all to take a... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Biblically, this word, there's actually multiple words that are translated sleep, and you'll see 10 or 11 times in the Old Covenant, and maybe another 10 or 11 times in the New, that there's this metaphor for death that's referred to as sleep. And Jesus uses sleep as a metaphor for death, as you just saw in the verses that they read with Lazarus. We'll pick up there in a minute. And, you know, even Paul a little bit later and Peter, like, they refer to sleep as as death or death as sleep. Uh, Not all of the time is sleep translated that way, but it is a metaphor in many cases. So in John 11, where uh, Megan and Ron were reading a little bit earlier, I'm just going to pick up in, you know, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him. And and I find that an interesting statement that he uses that. And and I want to note, okay, because we'll come back to this later at the end. When the sisters sent word that Lazarus was sick, Jesus didn't drop what he was doing and go and heal him. Okay, we'll come back to that thought a little bit later. Then the disciples said in verse 12, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought they meant Lazarus was simply sleeping as they read, and Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, he's dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Come, let's go see him. And then there's this interesting verse in 16, Thomas, they nicknamed the twin or Didymus. Um, He said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Because if you remember when they were reading a little bit earlier, they were talking about how Lazarus, isn't he from that place where they tried to stone you a couple weeks ago and now you want to go back there? Hey guys, he's going back there. They're going to stone him. Let's go with them. Maybe they'll kill us too. How many say that's pretty dedicated? How many are you willing to die for Christ? Doesn't Paul say we die daily? 
Jesus uses this metaphor for death, okay? It went right over the disciples' heads. So in verse 14, he had to explain it to them, you know? And he said, he isn't dead, but don't get your britches in a knot. It's going to be all right, okay? Now, now, falling asleep is going to get us a new body. You have to die if you want a new body. How many want a new body? There's only one way to get a new body. You got to die. Not today. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 20. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? So we believe Jesus rose up from the dead, but why is it that people think there's no resurrection? You meet people out in the culture. Oh, no, he couldn't have raised from the dead. He was resuscitated. Really? Hmm. I don't know. The Romans, that Roman spear through the heart with the water coming out, that's, that's a pretty good sign that someone's dead. You don't live through that. <laughs> but if there's no resurrection of the dead, not e- then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, useless, amounting to nothing, and your faith is also vain. Imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. We're even discovered to be false witnesses, misrepresenting God because we testified concerning him that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, in fact, if the dead are not raised. So if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then God didn't raise Christ from the dead. The apostles are lying. We're wasting our time here. You may as well throw your Bible out and go home. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Life and death hinge on the resurrection. Your future life, even dying, the hope that we have in death is that we get to go to eternal life. Getting ahead of myself already, my goodness. Okay. And then he says, For if the dead are not raised, and Christ has not been raised either, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You're still in your sins and under the control and the penalty of sin. Then those who have fallen asleep, there's that word again, in Christ are lost. So if you don't believe in the resurrection, there's no hope for life beyond the grave. So which is it? Do we believe in the resurrection or do we not believe in the resurrection? Here in this place, we're going to believe in the resurrection. That's the power of God. If we who are abiding in Christ have hoped only in this life, and this is all there is, then we are of all people to be most miserable and to be pitied. But now as things really are, Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, and he became the first fruits. That is, the first to be resurrected with an incorruptible immortal body, foreshadowing the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in death. There's this concept that they're using, this picture, this metaphor. When people fall asleep, when people die, they fall asleep. Your body has expired, but your spirit is still alive. Now, I think, did I say this at the beginning of this one or not? No, I didn't. I'm not an advocate of soul sleep, if I didn't say that in second service. Okay. I I don't teach in soul sleep, so if you hear something that sounds like that, I'm not teaching that to you today. (laughs) And if you don't know what that is, good. It's not a teaching we want to go to right now. (laughs) But this is why Christians celebrate life okay so when someone dies we celebrate life why because we know that they've simply fallen asleep yes we're going to miss them yes there's grief and there's sorrow and there's sadness and there's a 
transition period where we get to used to this life without them. But the whole premise or the whole hope that we have in Christ is we will see them again. The joy that we have is we get to be with them again. We're going to be with them again in the future. Why? Because this life is just temporary. And in the resurrection, we get to be together as the body of Christ. This temporary earth suit, the shell that you live in, is just for the first part of the journey. We get an incorruptible body that doesn't break down for the next stage. Yeah, me too. I had one of those weeks where you ever sleep wrong and you wake up and you like can't turn your head right or left <laughs> you know your range of motion is greatly limited and your back feels like an elephant walked on it has anyone ever done that or just me yeah yeah <laughs> just me <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> We're going to put a, a P under your pillow and see if you notice. <laughs> no. Okay, so this body this week was challenged. I had to go to a couple appointments. I went to the chiropractor. I got a little adjustment. I went to the massage guy. What did they do? They helped muscles relax so that I could get my range of motion back so that I could go back to kind of living life to the fullness without that little catch or that little tick every time I get caught, right? Can't wait for a new body that doesn't do that. That's going to be so cool. I can sleep standing on my head and not have to worry about it. First Thessalonians 4.13. <clears throat> now, we don't want you to be uninformed. So... The author of Thessalonians, right? We don't want you to go without knowledge. We want you to have the information, believers, about those who are asleep in death. I like the way the Amplified says that. So that you will not grieve for them as others do who have no hope beyond this present life. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, as in fact he did, even so God, in the same way by raising them from the dead, will bring with him those believers who have fallen asleep in Jesus. And I'm just going to pause there. I'll come back to verse 15 in a second. But we got to understand something, and, and there's a lot of confusion about this, and periodically I like to talk about this. When you die, or when you fall asleep, according to the context that we're talking about today, you realize that you exit time and space. See, this earth suit lives in time and space. But when you exit time and space, you enter eternity. So this earth suit will go to the grave and the next thing that happens is you hear God calling you to wake up. But let me talk about waking up, okay, after I get done in verse 15 here. For we say this to you by the Lord's own word that we who are still alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will in no way proceed into his presence those believers who have fallen asleep in death. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command. Can everyone say shout of command? With the voice of the archangel and with the blast of the trumpet of God. Blast. And the dead in Christ will rise first. When Jesus comes back to earth, he is not going to go to the dead and say, Hey, wakey, wakey, guys. 
It's morning. Stop your snoring. It's time to get up. Hey, everyone, it's a happy day. Come on, you can get out of bed. It says a commanding shout. Wake up! And if you were sleeping, you're awake now. <laughs> God is going to say, wake up! And the dead are going to go, yes, sir. Because you know what? Jesus has life and death within his command. Life and death are in his command. We're going to get to that in a second. But I'm going to tell you, there's not going to be any oversleeping on that day. No alarm clock necessary, and you won't hit snooze either. <laughs> when you wake up, you're going to be woke. We talk about people being woke, let me tell you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent, our physical body, which is our house, is torn down through death, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our immortal, eternal, celestial dwelling, so that by putting it on we will not be found naked, for while we're in this tent we groan, being burdened often from the body, but to be clothed so that what is mortal, the body will be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. I just figured something out. I used the wrong font size, and I'm having a hard I'm like, why is it so small? I just made it bigger, and now I'll be able to read. <laughs> All through first service, I was like, what is my problem today? Okay, <laughs> uh, let's reverse fast forward. While we're in this tent, we groan, being burned off and weighed down oppressed, not that we want to be unclothed, separated by death from the body, but to be clothed so that what is mortal, the body, will be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. Now, he who made us and prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Holy Spirit as a pledge, a guarantee, a down payment on fulfillment of his promise. So then, being always filled with good courage and confident hope, good courage, confident hope, filled, knowing that while we're home in this body, we're absent from the Lord. So when you're here on earth, you're not really in heaven with him. We can experience his presence on earth, but I think it's going to be different in heaven. It's going to be better in heaven. And then we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. We are, as I was saying, of good courage and confident hope and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we be at home on earth or away from home and with him, it is our constant ambition to be pleasing to him. What? What's pleasing to God? Is it the good deeds you do? Is it all your good works? Does that please God? Is it your hours and hours of crawling on nails and fasting? Is it because you're better than the person next to you? Look at the person next to you. Look at the other person next to you. And now say to yourself, I'm no better than you. How did you, you're no better than me. We're all just better than we used to be. He used to say that a lot. Right? It's not because we're better than someone else. It's not because of our good deeds. You know what pleases God? Faith pleases God. You know what else pleases God? If you love me, obey. Obedience and faith is what pleases God. In our lives, we have to kind of stop and go, wait a second, am I obeying God? Am I pleasing God? 
Am I operating in faith or am I operating in fear? Now watch. For we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what he's done in the body or in this earth suit, what we did in this life, whether good or bad. There will be rewards or consequences based on what you do in this life. Each will be held responsible for his actions. Uh Uh-oh. Got Dave and Carolyn sitting here in the front row. You're going to hear from them in a little bit. How long have you guys been married? 33 years. 33 years. Let me ask you a question. You know when you stand before God, Dave, you're not responsible for Carolyn's actions. Carolyn, you're not responsible for Dave's actions. You've been married a long time. You've been together. You love each other, but neither of you are responsible for the choices the other one makes. You know who's responsible for the choices you make? You are. But God, you don't know what they did to me. But God, you don't know the situation. God, you don't know what happened. God, you don't know. Yes, he does. And you are 100% responsible for every decision that you make no matter what anyone else is doing or what anyone else has done. In fact, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time. I heard an ouch. Opportunities and abilities. You know, if I'm going to tremble before God, It's not so much because of the things that I've obeyed him and done. It's the things that he told me to do that I didn't do. It's those sins of omission that are going to get you every time. It's the things that God has commanded us to do, instructed us to do, spoken to our heart on, and we've refused to listen to his voice. That's the conversation that should be concerning. Because how many times do we do the right thing because we're supposed to do the right thing? But then again, what's your motive for doing the right thing? Are we building his kingdom or are we building our own? I want to build his kingdom. I don't need a kingdom. And while we're talking about kingdom, I'll remind you, the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. You'll hear me say this. It's a kingdom. There's a king. He sets the standard. He created you. He wrote the book for how you work. In fact, he doesn't really care about your opinion on what he wrote. The opinion you're allowed is you can accept his choice or you can reject the choice that he's given you. God created you and designed you with purpose. And he wants you to have the best possible journey. But there's, there's people in this room right now. You don't want to follow God's plan. You want to follow your own way. And for you right now, door after door after opportunity after opportunity is closing. And you're frustrated. You're discouraged. 
Submit yourself to Christ. Do it his way and watch what he does. But too many people, they try to do it in their earth suit, their flesh. They try to kick doors open and knock things down and make things happen. You might make some noise and make a little bit of progress, but the truth is you want to accomplish God's plan and purpose for your life, period. Obedience and faith. But God trusting you requires, yeah, it requires faith, and you have to put your fears aside. I'm amazed at how many Christians who say they love God make fear-based decisions, not faith-based decisions. Amazed. Each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. John 5, 28. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. That's right. Wake up. And they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. You are going to die one day, and when you wake up, you're going to experience life or judgment, period. There's no gray area in between. And any theology that talks about a gray area in between is false doctrine. That, that should make that pretty clear. Acts 7, 60. Then falling on his knees in worship, he cried out loudly, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Do not charge them. When he said this, he fell asleep in death. That's Stephen. I mean, Jesus resurrected, what? Beginning of Acts? Chapter 1, end of the Gospels, beginning of the book of Acts, he resurrected. Just seven chapters later, Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Why? Because he took the name of Christ. By naming the name of Christ, by calling yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, you do realize that you automatically become hostile to the world system that we live in? Or more accurately, it's hostile to you. Automatically. Then why, as we're operating in obedience and faith, do we get so quickly discouraged when people give us a hard time for living right? When you stand on truth, I mean, hey, right now in Canada, we can still worship fairly freely. I mean, some people get arrested and put in jail for that. But all over the world, they arrest and kill Christians, many, many nations. So while it's light, let's, let's live in the light. Now, I want to try to tie some of this together. Mark 5. 21. Jesus got in the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter's dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Now, now, I have to stop here and go, okay, wait a second. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were friends of Jesus. They were in his crowd. He hung out with them. He ate at their house. Mary and Martha, hey, Lazarus is sick. Come heal him. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Jairus, the leader, said, my daughter's dying. Okay, let's go. You know what that tells me? There's no pattern for how God is going to heal people, how God is going to deliver people, and how God is going to set people free. What worked last week isn't going to work today. 
You have to be obedient in the moment to what God is telling you to do in the moment. You know, in the Old Covenant, Israel was in the, the nation of Israel, wandered in the desert. 13-day journey took them 40 years. Sometimes some of you feel that way, don't you? <laughs> Boy, they murmured and complained a lot, though. Boy, they had slave mentality and could never see themselves as sons and daughters of the king. Boy, they had some issues that slowed them down. They ate manna. What? God provided for them miraculously for years, 40 years. But you know what? You had to gather the manna how often? Yeah, pretty well. Except the day before the Sabbath, you had to got two, two. But you know what happened if you tried to eat old manna? Worms. Yucky. Not good. Don't want it. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit every day. We need to get revelation every day. Yesterday is gone. What God did yesterday, that day is done. It's a new day today. Today's the 27th. The 26th is done. It's not going to happen again. Not 2021. I mean, maybe someone's here from Groundhog Day. I'll keep preaching until you give your life to Christ. <laughs> Jesus went with them, and the people followed, crowding around him. Verses 25 to 34 talks about the woman that Jesus healed on the way to heal the sleeping girl or the dead girl, okay? And, and there's a whole bunch of things in there, too, because first Jesus was responding to the faith of the leader of the synagogue, and then on the way, there was a woman who wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd because she was ceremonially unclean. She wasn't supposed to be with people because she had this bleeding disorder, right? And she comes and touches his garment, and you know, you know, what happened? Hey, who touched me? The disciples are looking at him like he's nuts. There's people all over the place, and you ask, who touched you? Are you, you know? But he felt the anointing go out of him, the virtue go out of him. So she gets miraculously healed and restored into fellowship, woman. He has compassion on a woman. And then he's going to heal this girl that's sick, the 12-year-old. While he's still speaking to the woman he just healed, messengers arrive from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Has anyone ever gotten some news that's pretty final and devastating? We all have. Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Now, a couple thoughts here. When the guy who spoke the universe into existence is standing next to you, and you get some bad news, and he looks over and says, don't worry about it, just have faith. My suggestion to you is, if you understand that life and death are in the power of Jesus, he has command over life and death, Let's put some faith in his direction. You can listen to the crowd, the fear, the death, the pain. You're not good enough. You're not able. You can never. You will never rise above. You'll never amount to anything. You can listen to the crowd. You're a failure. You're miserable. You're no good. probably put some other words in that probably aren't appropriate for this crowd. 
You can listen to the crowd, or you can put your faith in the ruler of the universe, because you know what? At salvation, he dwells inside of you, and he's right with you. And in every moment of your life, he's walking beside you, saying, don't listen to them, listen to me. Life and death are in my command. There's no place for fear in our lives no matter what we face. Even death is not something we fear as Christians. Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. That's interesting. He didn't want the crowd to be there for this. He didn't want their doubt and their unbelief. He didn't want to listen to the noise that they were making, all their gossip, all their pain, all their nonsense. He said, you guys stay here. You three, come with me. He took the girls, oh wait. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. Have you ever been laughed at? Made fun of, put down, ridiculed? Jesus said, said, she's just asleep. And they mocked him. Yeah, okay, teacher, whatever. She's dead. So Jesus put them all out. (laughs) He did. He made them all leave and took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the little girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were amazed and overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what happened. They all saw the dead girl in the room. They were wailing and crying because she was dead. And then all of a sudden she's going to get up and walk out of the room? They don't have to tell anyone what happened. I'm sure they figured it out. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to have a conversation with him about that one day. Jesus gave him strict orders not to tell anyone what happened. He gave them, he told them to give her something to eat. I want you guys to stand up with me and grab your elements. We're not quite at communion, but we're about to go there. I want to talk to you for a moment about atmosphere and attitude. Because so many people want to see miracles, but they don't create an atmosphere for the Spirit of God to move in their life. And they don't have an attitude that's lined up with what God's telling them they need to have an attitude. A couple things here. Jesus showed compassion to females and a Jewish leader, Jairus. He continued on his way to his house with Jesus after he was told his daughter's dead and the crowd said, "Uh, don't bother him anymore, she's already gone. He had more faith in the words of Jesus than he did the crowd's voice. For you today, what's the loudest voice in your mind? Are you listening to the voice of Jesus first or are you listening to the voice of the crowd Are you listening to the inner narrative that you've created over the years to tell yourself what you can and can't do? We have to come to the place where we align ourselves. Align ourselves with what God is saying to us. Isn't he the one who put death in its place? 
Is his life flowing through you? He's the God that brings the dead to life. Some of you need to wake up and put off your spiritual slumber and put off your sleep. Why don't you lift your hands for a moment? Open your heart. Let the God of miracles come and touch you right now. Let him breathe life to the areas that are dead. Fathers, we have the bread in our hand. I thank you that right now, that your miracle-working power is resurrecting the deadness in the hearts of your people. All the dead places are coming alive. The places that have been barren are starting to produce life. And your power is flowing through each and every person. Lord, as we've created an atmosphere in our hearts to receive, we've set aside all the bad attitudes, the murmuring, the complaining. Lord, we set aside the bitterness and the anger and the rage and the resentment, and we set aside, Lord, the gossip. We set aside the self-hatred and self We take on the nature of Christ today. We receive love. We receive peace. We receive healing and restoration. And Father, we look to your words today, your words of life. And we speak life to counter the words of death that have been spoken against us. And let your power be released in the name of Jesus. blood of Jesus built a bridge away from sin into life. Fathers, you're searching our hearts right now. We release forgiveness towards those that have wronged us just like you've released forgiveness towards us. Lord, and really, we're returning to you the right to judge, because you're just. And your judgment produces good fruit, good things. Lord, help us. Those that are struggling with unbelief right now in their mind, break through. Let your love flood over them right now. Lord, those that are trembling in fear each day, let them tremble at the goodness of your presence and the joy that only you can bring. Lord, we receive your grace and mercy today. And we surrender all of ourselves to you. Help us, Lord, to activate faith daily. Help us to be instantly obedient to your command as we build your kingdom together. And let your power be released here in the earth. In Jesus' name. Have a great day, everyone. God bless you.